welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than our dear brother Jackson, who, by the way, is visiting out of state with family and still decided to opine on the show. We thank you, dear brother, in advance. All right. Top story of the day, Donald Trump to be indicted again by the Department of Justice as I predicted this time. It will be about his attempt to basically overthrow democracy after his presidential defeat. Here's the video. Well, Jose, we're able to report now from two sources with direct knowledge of the situation that two of Donald Trump's attorneys have just been meeting with uh, the special counsel here in the office building behind me. We saw a very similar meeting a few days before the announcement in the classified or the announcement of an indictment in the classified documents case uh, came through. As uh, Tom and others have outlined, this is the kind of thing that you would typically see with attorneys coming in to try to do sort of a last minute negotiation, convince prosecutors not to make charges against their client. We don't know uh, the specifics of this meeting here, but it was widely reported that these attorneys were seen arriving here shortly around, around 10 o'clock this morning. Uh, we believe we believe we just saw them depart about 11 o'clock uh, today after what we know was a meeting with the special counsel's office uh, to discuss the possibility, the strong possibility of an indictment of their client later today. It's our understanding that these lawyers have been told, have been told to expect an indictment against former President Trump related to this invest uh, elections investigation, uh, possibly as soon as today. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, the information, the news that the president, former president of the United States of America, Donald Trump, will in fact be indicted again by the Department of Justice as I predicted. I've also predicted that next will be Fulton County, Georgia. That prediction is coming to fruition now because Fulton County today erected barricades around the entire justice building in Atlanta, Georgia. That indictment I predict is coming very soon, hell if not today. Also, I believe that the New York uh, Attorney General, A.G. James, will in fact also criminally indict Donald Trump before this is said and done. Let's count the ways here. You have a Manhattan indictment. You have two DOJ indictments. You have a Fulton County, Georgia indictment and likely a New York indictment in the near future. Who is actually indicting him? While Trump would have you believe that the indictment comes from a prosecutor, they actually come from people, citizens, voters. It's called a grand jury. The grand jury is privy to information we are not. And if the information was, let's just say, exonerating, I guarantee you that grand jury would vote in the opposite direction. In addition to that, Jack Smith, as the lead prosecutor has chosen to prosecute the first case, perhaps even the next one in the state of Florida. What does that mean? That means the jury pool will be chosen in Florida, leaving absolutely no room for anyone to say he decided to go in a liberal state to get liberal Grant liberal jury members to get the verdict. All right. Okay. Let's go through it. 
So lawyers for former President Donald Trump met on Thursday with prosecutors about another possible criminal indictment by special counsel Jack Smith's office. Multiple outlets reported on Thursday such gatherings can signal that an indictment could be near and are often an opportunity for defense lawyers to make their last case against potential charges. Lawyers for Trump had a similar meeting with Justice Department officials days before he was indicted on charges relating to his post presidency handling of classified documents, the New York Times reports. Trump wrote on Truth Social last week that he received a letter from Smith informing him that he is a target of the grand jury probe into efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Prosecutors are probing the January 6th Capitol riot and Trump's efforts to undermine the president, undermine President Biden's 2020 election victory. Now, let me remind everybody that we have stories that have come from the rumor mill, basically. Stories about a Secret Service agent having to stop the then President of the United States from going to the Capitol with the mob of domestic terrorists. Is that true? Was it a made up story? Well, I will say this, Jack Smith did put Secret Service agents who were assigned to Trump's detail under oath in front of the grand jury. The Secret Service can say what they want to say in a press release. It is not governed by statutory law. But to lie under oath is another thing. We do not have that information. That information obviously is forthcoming. Lawyers for Trump arrived at Smith's office on Thursday morning. ABC News first reported this. Trump attorneys John Laro and Todd Blanche met with Smith's team on Thursday per NBC News. CNN reported Thursday that jurors and a Smith prosecutor were seen entering the courthouse. The Department of Justice declined comment and asked to confirm the gathering. It's going down, it's going down, right? Now, let's be very clear. He not only animated the crowd, he told them what to do. And then when it was clear that Mike Pence was unwilling to violate constitutional mandate only because he could not figure out how to get away with it safely. He wanted Mike Pence to die. When people were saying, hang Mike Pence, Trump said, hey, he let us down, fellas. That was his tweet. All right, hell of a thing. Jackson, you know the scenario here. What are your thoughts? So, I just want to see if this man's ever actually going to spend some time in prison. But Trump got himself in this position um, as an example of old habits dying hard, uh, campaigning off of victimhood perpetually over and over again. He had a year and a half to give a certain set of documents back, and that's just one of his indictments. You know, the, uh, let alone the many other ones that you mentioned. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's even more to come, uh, because some of the issues that Donald Trump faces uh, is his campaign finance violations. 
I mean, we got him caught red handed for literally just ripping off millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars um, from his constituents over time to raise money for his defense or to raise money for uh, to give to different campaigns that he endorsed, but then he barely gave them any money. And so he's almost uh, certainly going to continue this pattern going forward by trying to raise money for his defense and then he's not actually going to use it. So, I mean, by the time November rolls around the next year, this man may have over 10 indictments because he just can't stop crooking. Very well said and 100% accurate. We will bring you updates as they come. A teenager was beaten by customers over a restaurant table, a restaurant table. Put up the picture, full mass. A Memphis teenager was beaten until unconscious by a family of patrons at a Cheddar's kitchen over having to wait for their preferred table seating. That's according to his mother. They also stole his Apple Watch after beating him unconscious. The teen who would like to remain anonymous, and we're going to respect that, said it was an hour long wait. He had no choice but to separate the group. The girl in the green said she don't like the table, so she'd rather get a bigger table. So I said it was still going to be a few minutes, so they left, the teen told Fox 13 News. However, the group came back and demanded a larger table to accommodate them again. The chair's host said a man in the group confronted him and punched him in the face. His whole family started coming toward me, jumping me. And after that, it was when I blacked out. Don't remember nothing, the teen said. The teen's mother, Letitia Ford, captured the aftermath of the brutal beating in a cell phone photo and shared it with local media. It shows the skinny teenager sprawled out on the ground, passed out with medical equipment attached to him as paramedics work to revive him off camera. He had a concussion, his face was swollen, and he had a lot of bruises on him. He was, he is really sore, they busted his neck really bad. The people who attacked the teenager were twice his size, okay? And let's put up the picture. They were twice his size and have yet to be caught. Letitia Ford is calling out the business for their lack of protection for her son. Police say the people responsible for initiating the altercation were observed departing the restaurant in a white SUV Ford and her Ford, excuse me, and her son. Hope the attackers are caught. The mother is particularly hopeful that they were captured on the restaurant surveillance cameras. She also believes Cheddar should have additional measures, should have taken additional measures to ensure her son's safety and protect him from such an incident. You gotta think about how extreme this is, how extreme this is. A family decides to leave a restaurant because their preferred table is not available at that time. It will be available, just not at that moment. They leave. And instead of going to, let's just say, another restaurant or home, they decide to come back with exacting revenge against a child. 
could have killed him. Now that family is on the run. If anyone has any information about that attack, you are encouraged to contact law enforcement immediately. This is obviously a dangerous family. This is obviously a dangerous group. They need to be held accountable. Justice needs to be applied. Let's also talk about the reality of the mother statement about Cheddar's should have had more, well, safeguards. If there's any violence on the premises of a restaurant, if there's any type of aggression that's known to the owner of a facility, that facility owner typically will need to take appropriate measures to make sure people are safe. And if they do not, there's a doctrine in law called premises liability. And premises liability basically means you decided not to secure the individuals, to protect them, create appropriate safeguards to ensure their safety. Um, We will follow this story, such a sad, sad reality. And we hope for speedy recovery to this young teenager. Jackson, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, they they literally could have taken this young man's life. And that's one thing that people always gotta really consider when it comes to just violence in general. Defending yourself is one thing, but you know, it's really always best to just not strike out in anger because you really never know how things can go down. Uh, I know people who are in prison because they just got into some random fight and you know, they they got hit just right or they hit the person just right and lost their life. So, you know, you, you really gotta be careful with stuff like that. But um, I think you made a really good point just about general liabilities that the restaurant is definitely open for um, in terms of uh, not taking action to you know really let not let the family back onto the premises or something else that could have been done to just kind of manage the situation because you want to make sure that whatever establishment you're in people are comfortable and that you know chaos can't go you know go awry but yeah I mean this family I mean a loser family you know what I mean like this is a like you pointed out a very dangerous family and um, sooner or later they're like Likely uh, to get caught up in something if this is how they go about their life, because you just can't you just can't go around putting your hands on people. Because I mean that the, the way he looked, he looked like he lost his life. They they yeah they really messed him up. That that was sad to see. So definitely hope they catch them soon. Very sad to see. Um, we hope very soon we will see an exacting description, maybe the release of the surveillance video that may be in the parking lot, or a description more thorough of the actual vehicle, all right? Unidentified flying objects, I'm sorry, UAPs, they are called now. They have biologics on board, according to the government, kind of. This is a hell of a story. I don't even know how to present it to you, so I'm just going to let it present itself, here it is. Mr. Gresh, finally, do you believe that our government is in possession of UAPs? Uh, Absolutely, based on interviewing uh, over 40 witnesses over four years. UFO whistleblower David Grush claimed that the U.S. government has possession of non-human aircraft during a House hearing on unidentified anomalous phenomenon, commonly known as UFOs. 
I know the exact locations, and, and those locations were provided to the Inspector General and some of which to the Intelligence Committees. I actually had the people with the first-hand knowledge um, provide a protected disclosure to the Inspector General. He also added that, quote, non-human biologics were found at alleged crash sites, although he did not have first-hand information. If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries, yeah. Were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. We have nothing that can stop in midair and go the other direction, nor do we have anything that can, like in our situation, come down from space, hang out for three hours and go back up. NASA's had it, the Pentagon's had it, every defense department has had it. Turn loose the files. Let's get to the bottom of it. This is just the start. All righty then. Well, President Obama actually admitted, yeah, basically they are there. Here it is. When it comes to aliens, uh, there's some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. But what what is true, uh, and I'm, I'm actually being serious here, is is that uh, there are uh, there's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. We can't explain uh, how they moved, their trajectory. Are they Democrats or Republicans, sir? Are they progressive? Or are they supporting Trump? These are the important questions that must be posed to the biologics. And are they okay with us calling them biologics? Anyway, put up the picture full mass. You see the look on his face? That's the look of a guy that says, yeah, I've probably effed up. But he has quite the history. Now, typically, when there's an allegation of this magnitude, you check the credibility of the individual. And you start to make comparisons as to the seriousness of their claim. So let's keep this picture up. Per CBS News, David Grush is a former military intelligence officer turned whistleblower, and he actually went through the official process of becoming a whistleblower by contacting the inspector general who is in charge of the intelligence community in that aspect. He told House lawmakers that Congress is being kept in the dark about unidentified anomalous phenomena, which is the new name now for UFOs. Alleging at a hearing that the executive branch agencies have withheld information about the mysterious objects for Years. So let me give you more background about Grush. He served for 14 years as an intelligence officer in the Air Force and was an intelligence officer in the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. He appeared before the House Oversight Committee's National Security Subcommittee alongside two former fighter pilots who had firsthand experience with UAPs. Grush served as a representative on two Pentagon task force investigating UAP until earlier this year. 
He told lawmakers that he was informed of a multi-decade UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program during the course of his work examining classified programs. He said he was denied access to those programs when he requested it and accused the military of misappropriating funds to shield these operations from congressional oversight. He later said he had interviewed officials who had direct knowledge of aircraft with non-human origins. And that so-called biologics were recovered from some craft. Now, I did some research on his previous interviews, his current ongoing testimony to the Oversight Committee. And one thing I noticed is that he does not say the word alien. And he doesn't say other world. He says biologics, he says non-human, but he does not say alien in the specific sense of what the word typically would mean in this context. There's more, Jimmy Carter, former president of the United States saw a UAP as well. Back then they just called them UFOs. President Jimmy Carter was convinced he saw an unidentified flying object UFO in 1969. He didn't file a report until 1973 when an agency called the International UFO Bureau sent him a form to fill out. According to the form on file, the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library and Museum, President Carter filled it out by hand when he was serving as governor of Georgia, a second agency. The National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena had a similar form with type responses dated the same as the one filled out by President Carter on September 18, 1973. Wow, all right, Jackson, are we alone, sir? Well, I think there's there's a lot to unpack here. I personally don't think that life is unique to this planet. Um, just because life, the fact that life exists here means that life exists. And the more that we learn about the vastness of the universe and the complexities of it, the more it just seems likely that there's some kind of other life forms out here, especially like single celled simple life forms at least. Um, but again, I think the odds of there not being additional life in the universe is very slim. However, then the question of them coming here is another issue entirely because it's like the secret is almost almost out, but it never quite gets out. You know what I mean? Like this isn't new. People have been coming forth for decades talking about governments, whether it's the US government or some type of government overseas having access to alien technology or having evidence, but that evidence is never shown. And it's just, it's kind of implausible in my opinion to believe that the government of any kind of government made up of very flawed human beings would somehow be able to keep something so unbelievably spectacular a, per, a secret for so long. I mean, they can't keep secrets worth a damn. You know what I'm saying? Right. Anytime anything's going on, we probably figure out about it. Um, even before the internet, you know what I'm saying? Uh, secrets get exposed because that's just how human beings operate. We're not robots. But I mean, until somebody actually shows some real hard evidence and they're like really examining it, I just don't. Why is this being kept a secret? It doesn't yeah. make sense that this would be a secret. So, um, yeah, I got to see it to believe it, but I do think that life exists elsewhere for sure. You know, I want to echo your point about the incompetence of government <laughs> uh, right. to hide something this big. If if it's real, Jackson, um, I believe it's much more about the 
biologics as they're calling them today. Uh, this is about them not wanting to be exposed. Uh, much more than about governments being able to successfully cover this up for so long. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. So anyway, we'll bring you updates as they come. Guaranteed to come. And promise you, I invite any biologic to the bullpen at any time. All right. I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a In Sunday? You're going to feel free. I mean, ma'am, you're not allowing the Rolls Royce to park? Now I get it, it's not an 88 Cutlass, which is a true classic. Let's put it up full mass. Um, this is London Karen holding up traffic. And after this, she was approached by possible security. Here it is. Oh, there's more. A TikToker. Well, this is what happened. Right now, stop it. Stop it, stop it. Hello, stop it. Where are you going, bro? Stop it. 
Okay. Fuck your mommy. Sure. Sure. Wow. All right, let's put it up full mass. I will give you as much background as you know we got. All right. According to the TikToker who recorded this London Karen, this was in central London. It says, quote, on July 20th, 2023 in central London, I witnessed an offense taking place and decided to record it. In accordance with UK laws, it is permitted to record incidents in public places. The lady in green was creating a traffic disruption by not letting the car park. I had no intention filming the lady in green specifically. I was just recording the situation. Her face was not even on my camera until she came very close to me. And even then I tried not to record her face. Taking my phone on a side until she purposely started recording me. The lady in green was not only creating disruption on the road, but was aggressive toward other people. As the situation got resolved, I stopped filming and started walking away. But she approached me with insults and threats. Why are there people like this? Well, it is really interesting. I don't know what the intended goal was. I mean, maybe maybe someone was, you know, on the way or maybe there's another not good explanation she can provide. All right, Jackson. We've actually seen Karen's do this in multiple settings. Like this is a Karen thing to yeah. be in a parking lot with no car. Yeah, and, and you know, again, like you pointed out, I don't know if she was waiting for somebody else to sit there or what, but it's just always funny sometimes to watch the lengths that people will go to to not take an L, but they still they end up taking a bigger L. Yeah. You know, like you causing uh you causing a whole traffic jam just because maybe somebody else is gonna park there, but they're not there yet. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's it, and it just escalates and escalates and escalates, all while the ego is trying to protect itself. And sometimes you just gotta let it go. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's not that serious, but that's all that was. She was trying not to take an L and sometimes you just gotta know when to quit and she don't know. Yeah. Now, while that may not have been technically a felony, if she would have been blocking an 88 Cutlass, damn it. <laughs> or my, right. my 92 Buick Regal that I started out with. You know what I'm saying? That, that's, that's my thing. That, it'll, that'll make it a misdemeanor. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> You remember the cop who decided to steal, put an attack dog, a canine, a, a canine cop dog on an unarmed complying individual? That cop has been fired. That cop should be charged. Let me remind you of what happened. Here it is. Hey, that's a dog. Come to me. Do not, do not, do not let them, don't release the dog. Do not release the dog with his hands up. Do not release the dog with his hands up. Do not release the dog with his hands up, Do not, do not, do not, get the dog off of it. Get the dog off of it. Get the dog off of it. 
What? All right, put it up. Now, I want to remind everyone, the officer who has command is the one who says, don't do this, don't release the dog with his hands up, meaning he is in compliance. He's in compliance. It also means that some would deem that action to be illegal. I certainly deem it to be illegal. We reported on this from day one. We have been giving you the updates as they develop. Ryan Speakman, the Circleville, Ohio police officer, who was seen on video releasing a canine on an unarmed black truck driver, has been fired according to a statement from the department. Now, I want to remind everybody, it is not the uh, city who responded to the initial traffic stop. You have the state patrol or state troopers. They called in for backup because the truck did not immediately stop. So when they call in for backup, that backup goes to the local jurisdiction of the town that you are either a going through then or about to go through in a few minutes. The local jurisdiction, they get involved. The local jurisdiction, they understand command. The person saying don't do this, once again, has command and jurisdictional authority. It was ignored. It was almost as if, let's put them back up. It was almost as if Officer Ryan Speakman said, I've brought out this canine and I'm going to use this canine no matter what. That's what it seemed like. Mayor Don McKilroy on Monday told CNN Speakman had been placed on paid administrative leave prior to his termination. Let me read it. Department said Circleville police officer Ryan Speakman's actions during the review of his canine apprehension of suspect Jadarius Rose on July 4th show that the officer, that officer Speakman, did not meet the standards and expectations. We hold for our police officers, Officer Speakman has been terminated from the department effective immediately. As you recall, the 23 year old Mr. Rose was bitten by the K-9 on July 4th, put him up. Now let me remind everyone that initially uh, the officer was defended. They defended the cop for his actions, talking about the local jurisdiction did. This was following a lengthy vehicle pursuit that began when officers pulled over his commercial semi truck due to police alleging he failed to stop for an inspection because of a missing mud flap. During the police chase, Mr. Rose called 911 and told dispatchers officers were trying to kill him and he did not feel safe pulling over the truck. Rose repeatedly told the dispatcher he was confused about why he was being pulled over and why police had their guns drawn after he briefly stopped the truck before driving away. Now, when Sharon Reed and I talked about this story, Sharon said something quite interesting and actually normative. Sharon said, listen, I've been driving in a large vehicle before. 
with music on or headphones on and I did not hear uh, or could not hear uh, anyone behind me beep the horn or use sirens. Now, obviously, it's not the best way to drive. I've done it before myself. But there's a reasonable explanation possibly. We do know that he was not charged with anything else. We do know that it made no sense that he was running. And we do know now that he actually called 911 and said, listen, I don't know why all these cops are following me, but it's a whole lot of them. And you gotta think about the context here. He is seeing multiple jurisdictions. It's not just one cop behind him by the time he realizes what's happening. He sees probably two or three different jurisdictions following him at the same time. And he's in a rural area. He calls 911, he's afraid. There's more. Um, the police department's investigation into the incident included a, a determination by a use of force review board that actually determined the agency's policy for the use of canines was followed in the apprehension and arrest of Mr. Rose, according to a statement from the agency. So you see, they actually supported him. And in an irony, the police chief or the department by way of the police chief decided to override this particular review board and say no. Regardless of what your findings suggest, this man did not meet the qualifications and standards of this department. There's more. The department statement added, it's important to understand that the review board is charged only with determining whether an employee's actions in the use of force incident were within department policies and procedures. The review board does not have the authority to recommend any discipline. Shallow Creek Canals, the Pennsylvania-based facility that trained the canine involved in the incident, said their training and protocols were followed, police said. Speakman is later then in the video speaking with a state trooper about the incident. I think it's a justifiable bite, he says. The Ohio Patrolmen's Benevolent Association filed a grievance on behalf of Officer Speakman, saying Speakman was fired without just cause. The union asked the department to rescind the termination, pay and reimburse the officer for all lost wages, seniority and benefits lost, resulting from his firing, expunge his employee record of his termination history and or any further relief necessary to make the grievance whole. Look at that. They said, okay, the man puts a canine on an innocent complying individual who did not deserve to be apprehended in such a manner. He violated command on the scene in order to do so. His department says he violated exacting policy of this department. Who has his back? The unions have his back. Police unions say, oh, no problem. The place that trained the canine, they got his back. Why? Because cats like him are good for business. There's more. Let me give you a recap of the status of Mr. Rose, who was bitten by this canine. Rose was treated was eventually released from the hospital before taking, before being taken to the county jail, according to a case report from Ohio State Highway Patrol. Which notes he faced a charge of failure to comply with an order or signal by a police officer. A fourth degree felony. Now many jurisdictions have upgraded fourth degree felonies and made some of those misdemeanors now. He was released from custody July 7th. The county prosecutor's office told CNN, adding the office is still collecting evidence before it determines whether to move forward and charge him or not charge him. At the end of the day, I don't care what charge you give it, it was a traffic stop. It's a failure to pull over. 
failure to pull over. It could be a perfectly reasonable explanation as to why he was confused about what was happening. But everyone should agree he did not deserve to be bitten by a canine while on his knees and his hands in the air. Jackson thoughts. Yeah, I mean, you pointed it out just right. Uh, the reason that the dog was released is because, well, I brought it, so I might as well do what I came here to do. It's really uh, not any more complicated than that. And two, you know, when it comes to police dogs and, and canines like that, you, you would think that they should only be used like if the suspect is on foot very far away, maybe in difficult terrain, and you have to catch them, and they're very dangerous. Obviously, maybe carrying weapons or carrying something that's of danger to the community around them. Um, otherwise, he was surrounded. There were multiple police officers from multiple jurisdictions like you pointed out. And at the end of the day, when these types of situations go down, it's always surrounded over uh, the police state defending its authority. That's all it's ever about. We have the right to be above the law uh, because if they're not above the law, then they won't be able to get away with all of uh, you know the uh, egregious things that happen continuously. Uh, so you know, at the end of the day, he got bit because that's what the dog came there to do. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's it. We shall see if charges are filed against the cop. We're talking about charges against the brother. Uh, he's the individual who should not have been victimized. Uh, there's only one victim here, possibly two. Uh, obviously, the man who was bitten by the dog uh, and the horrific training given to the dog. The dog may be a victim as well. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. This is an update to a story we first brought you. A man brutalized by the police because of an open container. Well, there's a lawsuit now as predicted. Let me remind you of what happened. Here it is. give you the background and the update. We covered this story about a year ago. Marin County Gardner Julio Lopez is now filing a federal rights lawsuit after police assaulted him over an open beer. San Rafael officers brutalized the migrant gardener over a damn beer bottle. There's additional footage that shows Mr. Lopez being restrained and bleeding out on the asphalt. Here it is. (laughs) 
Put up the pictures. It's a damn shame. Uh, these individuals who call themselves police officers lack decent humanity. Now, former officers Brandon Nail and Daisy Mazarigos were charged with assault by an officer under color of law or authority and making false statements on a crime or criminal report in June. In an interview with ABC7, Lopez's legal team said, quote, Julio's rights were violated in a very violent way, going back to the founding of our country and the Bill of Rights. We all have the right against excessive force, unreasonable searches and seizures, and that comes, excuse me, from the Fourth Amendment. At the time of the initial incident, this was your police chief for that jurisdiction, okay, David Spiller. David Spiller released an open letter to the community about the altercation where he actually took full responsibility and that the department would be conducting an investigation into it. The quote is this, I am both personally and professionally concerned about this incident and how it impacts the trust our department has worked hard to build in this community. I want to ensure all members of the San Rafael community that not only is this incident being critically examined, but we will examine our behaviors, including that of our leadership. And for those department members that have fallen short, they will be held accountable. A department spokesperson said the department would not comment on the pending litigation via email. City attorney Robert Epstein has also failed to make any public statement about the suit. A court date for the two officers has been scheduled for next month. We will be following that court case. Jackson thoughts. Yeah, I definitely hope that the court case continues to go in the favor of this man. Um, I mean, essentially she was, they, well they, both of them were telling him to sit on his hands and put them up at the same time and they know it. You know what I mean? Like how, how are you gonna take your wallet out if you sitting on it or whatever that may be? Not to mention, uh, not, not only was he unarmed, but he's a little he's a little guy, like he's not even a big man. So the, it, there, he just wasn't a threat whatsoever. But just example after example after example that we see of police officers using violence because they just want to. And there's no question that whatsoever, no question. The only question for us is what are we gonna do about it on the local level? Because this just won't get handled federally. We have to get more involved in community politics, whether that be getting involved in sheriff elections, defense attorneys, all of those people. We have to get more involved and know who's on city council. Otherwise, we don't really know what's happening. We don't know who's calling the shots. We don't know who's running the show. And I'm guilty of that myself. Like I live in New Jersey, so there's a lot of townships. You might move here and now you don't know who's there. So we always gotta pay more attention to what's happening in our backyards. That's right, we gotta be intentional. These individuals have direct policy authority over our way of life. Okay. We brought you a story about the company Securitas and how they treated a particular individual. They were, well, racist. We have a massive update. Um, there's a new allegation as well. A few weeks ago, we covered this story 
of a of a racial discrimination allegation of security officers at the company. Uh, let's go to the picture. Uh, let's go to a full, uh, full mask. The uh, another individual has decided to come forward with the story of racial discrimination from Securitas. And I want to give you the original background that led to this update. Here's a video. Hit, you hit me, I'll you hurt do you. What? what you doing? This is your job. I work for myself. You this is your me. job. You hit me. Well, they called her the N-word. She says, call me an effing N-word. They said, well, you act like one. Get the hell off the property. Uh, Shaquana Petaway is her name. Now we have another allegation. Put it up full mass again, Miss Jackson. Ms. Jackson worked for Securitas company for five years and allegedly experienced harassment by her manager, Michelle Koshnick, in the form of racial slurs. She states, quote, during a meeting, my manager stated I am a disrespectful ghetto black N-word. I asked my manager, does she like me? She replied that she had no issue with me, but still stated that I was a ghetto N word. Um, we were able to secure this photo, Securitas manager, Michelle Koshnick. Ms. Jackson says she complained to HR only for the internal investigation to be dropped months later with no outcome. We have the copy of that complaint here. A few months later, she says she was taken off the schedule completely without being terminated directly and was barred from the premises in retaliation. Bolo alert provided here. After ceasing to work at that Securitas location, Ms. Jackson walked outside her home to find an offensive threatening note on her car. Let's put it up. According to the poster, haha. We got this N-word fired and my friend from the sheriff's department is serving her rights. Bye bye N-word, end quote. We reached out to Securitas company for comment on the pattern of racial discrimination the company is you know, engaged in, allegedly. We also wanted to know specifically about the allegation about Ms. Koshnick, their manager. Uh, no one decided to respond, no one wanted to answer. Our research shows that Securitas has a history of alleged racial discrimination from management and has been taken to court over it before in multiple cases. Now, here's one, the plaintiff alleges he was subjected to racial discrimination when around December 2016, a manager for the defendants stated she was going to fire black employees, end quote. Before changing the man's position and reducing his rate of pay, the plaintiff allegedly, additionally alleges 
that throughout his employment, the same manager terminated and or constructively discharged other black employees in favor of white workers. The man further claims his complaints of human resources to human resources went unaddressed. Seems like there's a pattern here, Securitas, in my humble opinion. There needs to be at least an answer from your agency. If you believe that there's malfeasance inside of your agency, say something about it, root it out. We have on tape people that work for you saying the N-word. We have multiple allegations on the record. We have very little from your management. All right, Jackson, thoughts? I think this is a good example of how honesty is the best policy and policy and how you carry out your business operations. Uh, by that I mean, you know, they were clearly trying to hide these incidents, but it's going to come to light eventually. Instead of actually dealing with them, um, you pointed out, and we, last time uh, we actually, when I was on the show, we talked about this story, or one of the last times, about how company culture and culture in any type of organization always starts from the head down. Um, and we're looking at examples in different sectors of the department, whether it be security or people. In uh, you know, uh, in the corporate wing of it, so clearly this is a cultural company problem, and by them trying to hide it, they're just making it look worse. And now we got all the receipts, we got all the evidence. So unless they do some type of a cultural overhaul, then this will continue to be the building reputation around their brand. Very well said. Always a pleasure, dear brother, having you on the program, breaking down these very important stories. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Oh yeah, absolutely, always a pleasure being on here with you. Check me out at youtube.com slash at politics and paper. I do daily streams, I got a weekly show, we got a whole lot coming on. The community's awesome, again, that's youtube.com slash at politics and paper. Always a pleasure, my friend. Oh, yeah. All right, the bullpen is next, stick and stay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. Let's put it up in the bullpen today. This is an update to a story. Tatiana, Tatiana Fano, if you remember, filed criminal charges. The enhancement, the enhancements made it a felony assault on a minor. The Round Rock ISD police held onto the completed investigation file without turning it over to the DA for six months. When it finally went before a grand jury, it came back no warrant. The grand jury sided with Thomas that his actions were justified on the premise it was self-defense, talking about the teacher that attacked. Because the two female teachers stated that Quentin, the kid, had attacked them despite that the video showed the statement was a lie. Both female teachers remained at the school, yet Jacob Thomas, his teaching credentials remain intact. He voluntarily resigned at the end of the school year and could be teaching or working with children anywhere. At the end of the day, he was found guilty of child abuse by two separate governmental agencies, but was not fired. He was not charged. No repercussions were levied against him for the trauma he caused. Tatiana's son, Quentin. Quentin and Tatiana took to the Capitol 
with disability rights. Let's put a picture up of uh, disability rights of Texas to pursue legislation that makes schools safer for children. They haven't gotten an apology from the district, nothing. They have not seen any changes. They never received a dime in any compensation. There has not been any justice for Q. We have Q and his mom, Tatiana, both on the show today. Thank you both for joining us on Indisputable. How are you? We're good. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm very sorry this happened. What I would like to do um, is get an overview of the experience, what happened in your own words, and we will dissect what should have happened afterwards but did not. And uh, Tatiana, I'll start with you. Yeah, so after you aired our um, our story, um, uh, Texas Department of Family Protection Services came back and with no new information and changed the ruling of their abuse finding to um, substantiated abuse. So they did find reason to believe that there was abuse um, based on no new evidence. So I'm not sure why they, they randomly just changed it. Um, I'm assuming it's because of the, the, the media coverage of the case. And um, so I, <laughs> and with that letter, nothing happened. Um, we have a, a principal who was found guilty of child abuse. Um, TEA came back and found that his actions were very abusive as well. And um, as far as I know, TEA never took his credentials. So he's still free to teach, even despite everything. It's unbelievable. Um, Q, are you able to give us some contextualization, some some experiential background as to what you went through and how it transpired? Like during the incident or? Yes, during, during the incident in particular. Right, so when I was going, I was walking from the classroom because it, something about um, Something about a computer, I don't exactly remember that much anymore. So I got a little angry. Um, they escorted me out the room. The entire time, my uh, entire time, my hands were in my pockets. Um, to Miss Manzi and Miss York, both of them escorted me by my arms to the cool down room, and then from the cool down room to the hallway. Um, Again, I'm, I don't really remember all that much, but they had brought me into the cool down room. And then from the cool down room, I stayed in there for about 20, 25 minutes, I think. And I had my hands in my pockets still during the whole thing. So the two female staff walked out and then another male staff, Mr. Thomas, um, came in and I was following them out since I was already calm and everything. And he had taken me by my left shoulder and thrown me into the wall. Wow, Ms. Stefano, when you first received the news about this, um, it was presented to you in an entirely different way than it actually happened. It yeah. was exposed later, the truth, yeah. uh, that your son did absolutely nothing to provoke an attack as was suggested, as was stated. Uh, he was completely innocent. So tell us about your experience after you get this information. Um, it goes from crazy to crazier. Okay. So I got a phone call. Um, 
I guess they were still in the middle of, a, of the crisis. And they they gave me a rundown of, of what was happening and um, asked me to come pick them up from school. Um, they didn't feel safe to put them on the school bus. Um, I was trying to get coverage for my classroom so that I could leave um, to come pick him up from his school. And then they called me back at about about 10 minutes later and said, well, um, he's calmed down and we feel like he's safe enough to put up, put him on the bus. Don't worry about it. Um, he, he'll, we'll send him home. Um, and on the phone, they didn't say anything to me about any head injuries or anything. It was when I got the email later that evening and I was going over the email with Clinton um, that it was, it, it said that he fell and hit his head on a wall. Um, and Quentin was like, no mom, that is not what happened. They threw me into a wall. Um, I was, being an educator myself, I, I find that very hard to believe. Like, why would they, there's cameras everywhere. Why, nobody's gonna pick up a kid at school and throw them, right? Like that's, we don't, we don't throw children. Um, but I have to do my due diligence as a parent. If my son is making an accusation, it's my job to, to, to check. So I requested the, the video footage and um, it took about almost two weeks for me to see the footage. Um, when they showed it to me, I was blown away. I was like, the Jackie Hartle um, is the, the special education director. Um, she was the one who wrote the original email the, and the one who I talked with subsequently. And um, it was Hartle and another lady via um, an internet conversation that they that I was able to watch the video and both of the teachers looked like they were going to cry or the admins looked like they were going to cry when they were watching me watch this video. Like there, you cannot watch the video and not it it will your heart will fall out. Like yeah. it, it's ridiculous. Um but I, I didn't have anything to say. There was nothing I could say that was, there was nothing that I could say. So I, I just was like, I'm going to end the call and I will follow up via email. I got myself an attorney, um, David Bunger, and um, he worked with us. I made, I made a, we made requests for some changes to be made at the school level. Um, that more training was put into place for mandated reporting um, for um, restraints, for proper use of restraints. Um, and that when a child is in crisis, that they can be checked up on by a neutral third party. Um, because in Quentin's instance, in the incident, I think what was particularly egregious was that he, after the incident, he had to sit in the office and talk about the crisis with Jacob Thomas. And Quentin was made to apologize to Jacob Thomas in the office um, directly after the crisis. Um, and so when Quentin was trying to make the outcry of abuse, 
Um, even in the video, you can hear him saying, you threw me into an effing wall. You threw me into a wall. Um, and those, so those two teachers, the two female teachers heard him making that outcry, but they didn't report it. And then he went into the office where the uh, principal basically gaslit him and said, hey, that didn't happen. You're lying. That's not what happened. Um, and made Quentin apologize. So. Let me go to Quentin. Um, and thank you for that that context. Uh, Q, you know you did not do anything wrong. But at this point, there's an emerging narrative of allegedly responsible adults all saying that you did, including the authority, the principal. And you're in this position where you're basically being told you have to apologize because you did something wrong. What were you feeling at that time, Q? I really don't remember much after I hit the wall. Wow. Okay. Was there anything that transpired before the attack we see on video that would indicate some kind of bias or aggression specifically toward you? Did anything like that happen to where you say you would say, if anybody was going to do that, it would have been that person and that person? Yeah, he'd always had kind of a grudge against me since. I had been transferred to that school. Like since I started, he'd always had that kind of grudge. Um, and always, everyone knows him to be kind of hot headed, aggressive. Um, not a lot of the students there liked him, wanted to be near him. He was just not a person to be around. Ms. Alfano, let me pose this next question to you. When you watch that video, obviously it's an emotional thing. I'm a parent, I can't imagine. Watching a video like that of my child. Um, you being in education, you understand the mandates that are involved. There's a mandate to report child abuse in the state of Texas. It's there. Uh, yes. You can, right, you can only have an effective mandate if you have a effective enforcement of the mandate. So tell us where did the breakdown happen? Why don't we see a massive enforcement? of the uh, mandate as it relates to child abuse that was witnessed and known, generally known at the institution. Well, who, I think we've got a, we've got a whole host of problems at Round Rock, um, it, it appears. Because we've got what, what appears to be a culture of abuse um, and cover up from the top down. Um, Dr. Azaiz included, um, and with within the school districts over here, each school district has their own police. So it's not Round Rock Police Department that handled Clinton's case. It was Round Rock Independent School District Police mm. Clinton's case. So this police, these these police officers are in the. They have offices in the schools. So they're they're friends, they're buddy buddies with the teachers that they see every day, um, which is which is good in a lot of ways. There's there's obviously a lot of of, of uh, pros to that. If you're if you're going to have good relations with police and students, having them there in the school frequently being seen, that that's good. But um, it, it's like the fox guarding the hen house. It's a, yeah. and it's a 
incestuous. You can't have, um, you, you can't expect them to be completely neutral when investigating this and handing it over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and what you say makes makes perfect sense. It, it, it seems to be a very ironic scenario, um, especially when the police who work for the school system should be investigating uh, not only teachers, but possibly the principal of an institution. Um, that's rarely going to actually happen. As it stands yeah. now, who's they been held accountable? Children. Say that one more time. They're usually investigating the children, usually right. the from the children, not the teachers. So right. Who's been held accountable? At what no. levels have people been held? Nobody's been held accountable. Uh, there, no. is, there is some notation on the record as far as what people have concluded uh, that have looked at this, right? But no actual disciplinary dynamic for anybody. None, absolutely none. Um, so he, he can't be charged, uh, double jeopardy, he can't be charged. Um, and yes, he was found guilty of child abuse, but it's not up to um, Texas Department of Family Protective Services to um, levy any type of punishments against him. Mm. So. I, I, what what go, what happens after that? Somebody's found guilty of child abuse. Apparently, nothing. Wow. Uh, yeah. So TEA decided that he was found to be abusive as well, but they did not take his um, teaching credentials. So um, he doesn't have any type of. Um, if you do a background check, he's not gonna pull up anything on his background um, and he still has his teaching credentials. So he could be anywhere working with children anywhere. You know, this is why media is important. As I say often, what the court of law cannot do, the court of public opinion can. We are glad that you have the opportunity to tell your story. Um, Q, very, very thankful. As I said before the interview, um, I appreciate your leadership. It takes courage to be able to authentically speak your own experience and your own truth. Q, if there's anything um, you would like to say to young people across the country who may be experiencing adverse relationships or even abuse from an adult in particular in the school system, what would you say to them? I think it's always important to reach out to the right people, see exactly what you can do or what you can have handled. I think it's important that you always have someone that you can trust, tell someone that you can rely upon. Some something like if something goes wrong, there's always a backup. I think that's important. Very well said, Q. Very well said. Um, and to Miss Afano, as an educator, what would you say to fellow educators? In similar situations where they are aware of abuse but not reporting it, you you, you can't call yourself an educator. Um, there's mandated reporting is a huge part of what we do. That's right. Um, it's crucial. The keeping the children safe is 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 what we're here for. Um, I mean, educating an injured child is how are they going to learn? That's right. Um, so if you see something, say something. And I, I do know that there's problems within CPS. Um, so many problems, even as our own case brought out, but it, it, it has to be investigated. Um, 
And as awful as it is, that's really the only the only thing that was done in the end. The only thing that was actually done right for Quentin was he was found guilty of abuse. And that was done by so I mean if it wasn't for that, I don't have anything else. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we're going to continue to stay on top of this. There may be a response after this interview. Um, and if so, our team will reach back out to you uh, to see your satisfaction or lack thereof with whatever response may come. We appreciate you both. Thank you for being on Indisputable. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Indisputable is still the fastest growing news show in America compared to CNN, Fox News, and 30 other networks. We tell the truth on Indisputable because the truth is indisputable. We go places that other news media outlets refuse to go. When there were human rights abuses happening at the Victorville prison, guards and members of the community contacted us. You, through your investigative reporting, unearthed very troubling allegations about specific forms of abuse and discrimination in the federal prison system. It really doesn't take much to be a trusted voice. All it takes is to be fearless, report on matters, be an advocate. I called it the bullpen intentionally because it's a place of preparation. We present individuals who may have an opposing view, so we debate. Sometimes we interview individuals because their stories deserve to be heard. A survivor of significant police misconduct and his attorney. We covered this story earlier and remind you of the horror of one man being shot at damn near 100 times by the police. We take time on this show to showcase the temper tantrums of Karens in the wild. We do this not because we wanna see people's emotional outbursts in public, but because these incidents are emblematic of a bigger societal issue taking place across the nation, and it has to be checked. My friend, my big homie, attorney at law, Benjamin Crump. I just wanna thank you, man, when educated, articulate brothers like yourself speak truth to power. It makes a great difference in changing the landscape in America. Listen, no matter what you do, don't allow the politics of ideology to evaporate the soul that still exists inside of you. They don't stop, I don't stop. Racism won't stop, I won't stop. Systemic bias won't stop, I won't stop. People still need health care, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform, so I won't stop. You won't stop either.